Welcome in, everybody, to the first edition of the Ins and Outs podcast. My name is Braden Shaw. I'm Graham Cannon. And we're just a couple of film nerds, and we decided we kind of wanted to start a podcast. Um, basically, as I silence my computer here, um, basically for this podcast and this journey, um, I guess for lack of a better term, we kind of wanted to do something film-related, and we were kind of sitting around kicking around ideas, and one thing that Graham kind of brought up was maybe going through the AFI, the American Film Institute's um, list of the top 100 films of all time. Um, the first edition of the list came out in 1997. They did a re-up, um, kind of shifting some things around, dropping some films, adding some in 2007, but nothing's been updated over the last 12 years. And so we thought we'd take it upon ourselves to kind of go through the list, um, looking at the relevancy of these films, the context, um, how they've aged over time, and if we were kind of to maybe add and subtract some films ourselves. And so basically for this podcast series, um, we'll be going through um, each section of the list, 10 films at a time, and kind of dissecting those films and kind of how, again, how they stand up in the relevancy of American film culture and if they even really deserve, deserve to be on the list at all. Um, and we'll also kind of be having some fun with it. Um, we'll, we'll talk about film stuff. We'll also have some uh, sports shows as well, um, kind of talking about maybe some postseason and preseason shows as those kind of as those sports go along. Um, and we're just going to have kind of have fun with it, play yeah. fast and loose. We're mainly just going to be talking like, like we usually hang out and talk about films sometimes. And uh, we really want to talk mainly about... Um, what's the significance of some of these films and the historical analysis of each one of these films is kind of interesting so uh the reason it's called ins and outs is because i'm inside the film industry he is outside the film industry and then we talk about sports he's inside the sports industry and i'm outside so without further ado do you want to start us off yeah sure so um this week obviously for our inaugural episode we'll be talking about um the bottom 10 films of the afi top 100 list and to kick it off uh, we can start with number 100, Ben-Hur. Graham, do you remember when you first saw this movie? Uh, middle school. We saw. We had to watch it in middle school class, uh, I think sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching it and going, this is really long. It took like five class periods. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, because our schedules were like seven blocks. Uh-huh. So we had to watch this, and it took like five class periods, best five class periods. Um, I remember liking it and then revisiting it not that long ago. And I think it's really, really long for no reason. Yeah, it's it's one of those films. It was in that era where they were basically trying to make um, all these epics. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, you think of the Lawrence of Arabia's of the world, Ben Hur, Ten Commandments. Um, yeah. I love Charlton Heston. Oh, I, I think he he's is an amazing. He's actor. an incredible actor. Um, I do. I do agree, though. I think that this film kind of tends to drag when it doesn't necessarily need to. Yeah, it's just. It's so long. It's a really, it's a really good movie. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. It's one, of my, like, it's one of the last big epics they ever made. Like, Lawrence Arabia is probably the end of the epic, mm-hmm. as we know it. But this was kind of one of the last hurrahs of it. But you could tell the story of film without Ben Hur. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, it's a good film, but I don't know if it deserves to be in top one hundred. It's like it was original list was really high up, and then got just shot down. Yeah. With all the films from like the late nineties and early two thousands. I think it, it was important because, um, obviously, Charlton Heston as a leading man, he was really big in that era. Um, it had a lot of uh, Oscar nominations, if I remember correctly. It won 10, I think. It won 10, It won yeah. a bunch. Um, 
But I me, mean, you can check you can yeah, check I'll my facts on that. that but it's it's not the best. It's not my favorite Charlton Heston film. Mm-hmm. Um, I really one eleven. Good lord. Yeah. Yeah, I won eleven Oscars. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think Heston won. Yeah, best picture, best actor in a leading role. I didn't know William Wyler did this. Yeah, William Wyler. Yeah. Wow. That's an. Yeah, it's it's a really good film, um, but it's not a. I don't know. Some of favorite Charlton Heston. I think my favorite still Planet of the Apes. Mm. I don't know. I, if, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not on the list. Planet of the Apes isn't on the list. Planet of the Apes is not on the list. So it's kind of interesting that it's one of the be- one of the most important sci-fi films, mo- like modern sci-fi films, isn't on there. But this, but Ben Hur is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's still a really amazing film. Yeah, I, I think it's it definitely obviously William Wyler is another important figure. Um, in Hollywood history as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that just those combinations, Oscar success, I, I guess I understand where they're coming from having this on the list. Yeah. Um, we can get into later whether we we would move it around. Um, but as far as, so Ben-Hur is number 100. Number 99, a Toy Story. Ooh. Um, it's historically important, but mm-hmm. it's not, I don't know if it's Pixar's best. I mean, it's tough. I think there are a lot of times where um, you you talk about um, the first things of of any of uh, movies, mm-hmm. hip hop or, or music or anything. Yeah, yeah. You think of that that first um, collection of art is kind of the best because that's been what they've been yeah. working. It's like to. Run, listen to Run DMC and like, man, this is really good. But yeah. like compared to like Kendrick Lamar, it's like the lyrical capabilities are totally different. Yeah. But um, Toy Story. It still holds up. It's still a good film. It's, I mean, the fourth one just recently came out. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Toy Story 3 wrecked me. It's a movie, I mean, it was the first, like, big film I remember loving. I had a buzzer in Woody when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It came out the year before I was born. So, yeah, I mean, Toy Story has always been kind of big in my life. And it's nostalgic for me. But, yeah, it's, it does, I think it deserves a place. One of, a Pixar film deserves a place. I don't know if Toy Story is the one. I think, again, this is another one where at the time when this list came out, I understand why Toy Story was the one because it was the first com- uh, fully computer-generated animation um, film ever. Um, I, I understand the significance of it. I, I would say if we were to go back, I think Pixar films that I'd put on there maybe maybe an Up, up uh, um, Finding Nemo. Yeah, Finding Nemo's whole help. Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. I Coco, mean, Coco was amazing. Coco Inside Out, I liked a lot. Too. Inside Out actually might might be the their best work. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I Pete, mean Pete Doctor who did Inside Out and Up, um, he he's he's one of their best directors. I I think the Toy Story. I watched a video. I don't remember if it was this morning or yesterday morning about um kind of the progression of Pixar animation and it's really it is really quite shocking yeah, to look well, at like, the first Toy Story to Toy Story four. <laughs> yeah, watching how they did textures and I mean mm-hmm. it's Pixar was ahead of its time mm-hmm. with Toy Story because there's things that are in there that you look at and go, oh that really set the table for modern CGI. But also I forgot to mention Incredibles, which is yeah, which is. Nostalgic. It's amazing. It's the best of, Fantastic Four film ever made. Yeah, until <laughs> until John Krasinski and Emily Blunt do theirs, hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, um, ninety eight, Yankee Doodle Dandy. I like this film. I liked it too, but I'm also just kind of like, isn't necessarily better than. I mean, there's 
to be we're kind of getting ahead of myself, but Fight Club isn't on this list. Yeah, and I and I understand where you're coming from, and I also think you could put the argument: is this the best version of James Cagney that we can, we can put on this list? Hmm. Now, granted, this was the one role he won the Oscar for. True. And I think that he is quite captivating in this role. He's he's really good. I'm I'm also there's a lot of musicals on this list. Mm-hmm. You're not a big musicals guy. I think there should be a couple as standard. Like there should be like I believe there's like ten of a mm-hmm. hundred list are musicals. You have your West Side Stories and Singing in the Rain. And yeah, Sound of Music. I think Sound on of this. Music. Uh-huh. Yeah, all those words like Singing in the Rain and Sound of Music are pivotal films Mm -hmm. in the musical genre. Yankee Doodle Dandy, I think it's Cagney's best role. I don't know if it belongs. Um, Because other films are off this list, which we'll get into at some point later. I I will say that um, I kind of understand where you're coming from in the fact that I don't know if Yankee Doodle Dandy pushes the genre forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that it is a good addition to it. Yeah. Um, I personally think it should be on this list because I think it's a very well-made film. Um, Cagney finally got, I think, the recognition um, yeah. that he that he really needed. I know um, White Heat was a few years after this, but, um, I mean, yeah, I, I think it was a good role, good role, um, great filmmaking. And, I don't know, there's something about musicals that just kind of keeps me in a good mood. So yeah, like, musicals are they're, <laughs> they're harder to be, like, angry at. I think La La Land, I left the theory and going, like, well, that was an amazing film. And then, like, kind of sat back and, like, did deserve all the recognition it got. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it's still a good movie. But we're getting to, like, where we keep going on this list, it's kind of some hard hitters that are important to, like, yeah. our generation. Yeah. So, like... And I, I think it's also yeah. some of these, some of those older films in the '40s and stuff. It's sometimes hard um, to, I guess, figure out which ones actually do stand the test of time. Yeah, because acting is totally different. Yeah, acting and directing and everything else, because they're basically on a soundstage their entire time. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these other films are set in like they're in location. They're doing weird camera stuff because they have such a limited budget and mm-hmm. really push the genre forward. Whereas like. This, there's a bunch of musicals that are made around this time, around Yankee Doodle Dandy, that were similar, like Swing Time, up, which is on this list, which I don't think should be on the list either, but <laughs> just just me. Yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting. I know I saw there was some talk on Twitter a few weeks back about um, whether uh, the actors of today are better than um, than they ever were. And I think as a whole... I kind of I kind of think about it in, in, in terms of the NBA a little bit. I think that as a whole, like if the league itself the probably has the best quality athletes yeah. of all time, but, but you have to you still have to go back and if you're thinking of the film where the leading men of the 40s even, you think of a Jimmy Cagney, you think of a Jimmy Stewart, Humphrey Bo- Bogart, yeah, Bogart, Gregory Peck. I mean, there are, there are a lot of all-timers that still I think their films and I mean, they, they still stand up. the test of time, but I think now it's like a movie like Manchester by the Sea, which is a small movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really small film. Wouldn't have been made in the forties. Yeah. Where it's like we're seeing acting in different ways. And different avenues to put out films yeah. even with the streaming era. Yeah, now like it's just I think it's like you were in the Hollywood system. If you're in the Hollywood system you're there for life. Yeah. So Which I, is a blessing and a curse depending on the well, career. <laughs> especially for the actresses. Yeah. That's awful. 
Yeah, um, that was kind of rough. Um, number 97 is a highly influential film. Blade Runner should be higher. Blade <laughs> I personally, um, I don't love this film. I didn't like it the first time I saw it. Yeah. I didn't like uh, The first time I saw it, um, I was with a bunch of people, a bunch of design people uh, when I went to K- went to University of Kansas. Um, they're, they love this film because it influenced kind of modern sci-fi design. Mm-hmm. But... I really didn't love it until I watched it the second time and just kind of got lost in the world. And then Blade yeah. Runner 2049 came out and really kind of cemented, like, these two films are really good as a like as a piece together. Yeah. Um, but it should be higher just on the influence alone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting that um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is uh, really Scott's only representation on the list. Yeah, there's no alien. And there's no alien, which is which we'll definitely touch on later. Yes. But um, yeah, I, I think really Scott is a guy who's had an interesting career. He's had yeah. a few bumps along the road, I yeah, would say, yeah. especially in recent years. Especially recent years, he's <laughs> had one big hit, which is The Martian, which is an incredible film. I really like that film. But pretty much post Gladiator, he had a tough time kind of navigating yeah, Prometheus, projects. all the alien, the Counselor. Movie. Oh my god, I forgot that movie came out. Um, the Egyptian movie where the oh the Egyptian gods and kings or whatever where he he basically said that they're they're not going to see someone with an Arab name as a lead actor yeah and they like spray tan Joel Edgerton or whatever <laughs> yeah that was it's weird. Moses and Ramses and these guys, and they're oh, two Brits jeez that was brutal yeah no but Blade Runner <laughs> back to Blade Runner um yeah I I think this film is dealing with a lot of uh, really cool ideas, and obviously, mm-hmm. it's highly stylized, high concept. Um, it's it's obviously beautifully shot. Um, Harrison Ford is great in the lead role, and he basically films it in, and it works. Yeah, but, but it complete it works with the film. And I mean, Rucker Howard has it has um, that that speech in the rain at the end is one of the most yeah. iconic scenes probably of the and 20th it's just century. one of these films that like shouldn't have been uh, it was a I think it was commercial bomb and it came out and then yeah. then just over video sales it got bigger and bigger and bigger got a cult following yeah. yeah it's it's an amazing it's an amazing technical achievement um, the amount of miniatures special it pushed special effects in a way that uh, we didn't think were going to be possible Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of pushed the digital age forward a little bit yeah. with special effects, but it's, and it's an interesting um, dialogue um, that it starts kind of on just human nature and um, just kind of that whole the whole replicants versus humanity um, storyline is I, it's interesting to say yeah. the least whether it, you like it or not. I mean, it talks about technology in a way that we kind of talk about technology now because mm-hmm. replicants, I believe, they're clones, cyborg type things. Mm-hmm. They're not. Really human, but they're kind of taking over a lot of the hard jobs, and now they want to be free. So it's kind of like how people are viewing AI at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's it's an important film. If I'm, and I believe it's set in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. 1999. 1999. Okay, gotcha. No, no, no. Actually, it's 2019. You're right. I, I, yeah, I believe it's. And then 2049 is the yeah yeah is the sequel yeah which is which I know we're not living in well. Guess it depends on who you ask if we're living in a dystopian society, but that's a, that's for another podcast. I yeah, think. That's, a, that, that's not our. <laughs> we don't want to get in that, into that. Um, on to the next film, number ninety six. Do the right thing, classic. Spike Lee's only representation on the list, classic. And it's literally maybe one of the best films of the eighties. Incredible. Wasn't even nominated for best picture. Yeah, 
That's no Spike didn't get nominated for Best Director. It's one of those movies you look at and go, "How did this not win?" Driving Miss Daisy won the Best Picture Oscar. That's yeah. That's and Spike's a, been when someone drives somewhere, Spike gets screwed. I feel like that's a nine. The nineteen ninety Oscars are in in awards that obviously you can go into how all oh, really these awards are kind of meaningless, but they are. They do they do have relevance. I mean, I mean and they like do you mean went, something. I mean, Spike Lee got his first Oscar. 20, 30 years after yeah. this. Spike Lee is one of the most influential directors of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't you can't go anywhere and not see Spike Lee. It's just uh, it's just unbelievable. I mean, eighty nine, in my opinion. Well, let's see what was up for eighty nine. I mean, you had a good you had a good list here. It was, it was Driving Miss Daisy one, Born on the Fourth of July. Field of Dreams, Dead Poet Society, My Left Foot. I mean, that's a good class. Field of Dreams and My Left Foot are okay. They're not. I mean, so if I if I were to pick one, I would probably switch out My Left Foot with um with Do the Right Thing. One hundred percent. Because I think Field of Dreams is still really good. Dead a uh, Dead Poet Society, obviously. It's classic. It's classic, classic Rob yeah. Williams, but it's it's this Driving Miss Daisy, which is which was the worst Best Picture winner until this year. Yeah, but. <laughs> It's just, I don't know how I feel about, Spike Lee is influential, and there's another movie on this list, there's another movie that's not on his, this list, Malcolm X, which I think should definitely be on this list, mm-hmm. but um, Spike, you know, just kind of, he's the only black director on the list, Yeah. and he's at number 96. Yeah. There's another, there's another person, uh, I mean, M. Night Shyam- uh, Shyamalan is on this list. Sorry, I messed up his name. He's he's on here as well with The Sixth Sense somewhere. I don't remember exactly. I think it's in the 80s. Um, it's 89. Wow. It's above Do the Right Thing. That's insane. I you also I guess you also have to keep in mind that um, 2007 was a very different era. <laughs> Even yeah, though I mean, this is the la- years ago. this is the last year of like the old academy, really. I mean, Pretty like, much. I mean, the old academy, basically eighty nine to ninety, was kind of the last year, the really old academy, and now this is kind of the old academy that now has been replaced yeah. this year with how the academy yeah. is structured. Honestly, now. honestly, if you think about it, um, the Oscar So White campaign was, I believe, twenty fourteen, and then they restructured twenty sixteen. Yeah, so I think yeah, so about about even. Five For, over the last five years, we've really seen a lot of I mean, good Mahers- change. I mean, Mahershala Ali's won two Oscars. Yeah, in that stretch. Yeah, I mean, Viola Davis won hers. So I mean, it's it's been a we, we're we're definitely in a change in times for sure. Which 100%. is hundred percent, which is good. And I think that um, if they were to make a list today, I I would hope at least they'd be uh, they'd recognize more black filmmakers and put oh, the yeah. right thing. They should up. definitely. I mean, it's just it's just the time. Yeah. No female directors either. Yeah, that's that's also pretty bad. But um, number 95, uh, as we move on here, uh, The Last Picture Show. What do you think of this film? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's kind of exploitive. I, I, it's still a really it's interesting film. It kind of introduced Jeff Bridges to the entire world. Uh-huh. I love Jeff Bridges. But I don't know if it belongs... I don't like this movie. I liked it in some spots, and in other spots I was like, this is just exploitive exploitive for no reason exactly yeah it's kind of like shock yeah especially for seven it was 71 this movie came out um it's like 70 I mean, 71 let me check yeah it's 
It's I, honestly is I don't know if this is I don't know if this is a hot take, but Sybil Shepherd is bad in this movie. I thought she was pretty good. I didn't think she was awful. There awful. were there were a couple moments where I was like, or she was like really going for it. A couple scenes where she was like going for the emotional yeah. uh, range and stuff. Seventy one. Um, Seventy one. Okay, so this out. would have been really shocking in yes. seventy one. Yes. But but also you gotta remember, people didn't like her. People yeah. On, people on set didn't like her. Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah. Was ruthless towards her. Yeah. So it's that that didn't help. <laughs> no, it didn't help, and um. I don't think it deserves... I, I like it, but I don't think it deserves to be on the list. Yeah. Especially with other great films that are coming mm-hmm. out, that came out. Um, like if we're talking, like, 100 greatest films ever made in the American Last film, Picture Show doesn't Last Picture Show is not in that for me, no, and you, I don't think it is for you either. No. it's it's a, It kind of is important for pushing the censors, but... That's and it introduced Jeff Bridges and Sybil Shepherd, but that's pretty much about it. Yeah, Jeff Bridges <laughs> is, is amazing, but Jeff mm-hmm. Bridges is a fairly good actor. He's had t- at least ten better films than this. Yeah, <laughs> Tron um, being one of them. Yeah. Yes, hey, shout out Tron. Um, net, moving on here, number ninety-four, a film that is near and dear to your heart. Yes, Graham, I know. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, very personal connection to it because my dad and I have. We've watched this movie. We can quote it to each other all the time. But 94 seems low for Tarantino. For But I don't know if it's his best film. I don't think it is. Okay. I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. But I think I would put like Django. Mm-hmm. Or I would put um, maybe Reservoir Dogs uh-huh. on this list. But I think it's still really good. Yeah, I... I think that um, Pulp Fiction has gotten to the point where I think a lot of people see it as um, his magnum opus. Whether I, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. I think but his magnum opus was Hateful Eight, and I think that was a big flop. I hope people don't think that. Is Do people actually think that? I think it's just because he was able. they gave him just total freedom to do whatever he wanted. Yeah, and he did the roadshow thing with the 70 yeah. millimeter and all that, and the yeah. intermission. I mean, Hateful Eight, yeah, I don't know about that one. But, yeah. um, I like, honestly, as far as my personal enjoyment goes, I uh, films that you mentioned, Reservoir Dogs, um, Django, um, I'd even put in Glorious Bastards. Yeah. Um, that, a lot a of good, reading in that movie. Lot, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but it, it, it fit, I think. It's still a good movie. I mean, Tarantino has not made a bad movie, even though I don't like Jackie Brown that much. <laughs> We'll get into that some yeah, time later. I, but, but. I, uh, I, I personally like Jackie Brown. But, um, yeah, I mean, Pulp Fiction, it really is um, an interesting film, an important film for Tarantino because that was the film. I know Reservoir Dogs kind of got his foot in the door with this whole history with Sundance and all that, but Pulp Fiction was really the one that kind of officially announced that Tarantino was here to stay. Well, it blew him up. Like, people, yeah. like, Samuel Jackson really blew up. After Brought this. back John Travolta, too. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a good thing. Well, it may not be a good thing, but it but did happen. Brought Uma Thurman <laughs> to the for- forefront. I mean, the actors, the acting in this movie is incredible. It's, I mean, cast is loaded. It's one of the best scripts probably ever written. Uh huh. And it's all out. It's out of order. Mm-hmm. The nonlinear thing is is huge for this movie too. That that was that was something that um, really changed the game. I think. Yeah, because there's a lot. There, it's very French and. Very experimental to do mm-hmm. out of order, and this one was like, sure, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it my way. Yeah. And then it got kind of turned to a fever pitch with Memento. Yeah. With by Christopher Nolan, but um, Pulp Fiction, 
I think it deserves to be on the list because it kind of is important to how, because it kind of exposed everybody to uh, all these actors and this kind of film. Yeah. But um, I think somewhere in the 90s or maybe 80s should be fine with it. We fight yeah. for it, but I think it could be higher. But um, yeah, there's a bunch of Tarantino movies that other Tarantino movies we could discuss. I think that um, even though I have said that Pulp Fiction may not be my favorite Tarantino, I I think I might agree that it's the one. If there is to be one Tarantino representation, I think that Pulp Fiction probably had the biggest impact. Yeah, of any of his films on the film industry. Yeah, because it was shoestring budget, I believe. It wasn't a big budget. I mean, kind of put Bruce Willis in a different light, put a bunch of actors that were starting off. Ving Rhames was mm-hmm. kind of starting his big... It's kind of starting to become big. Pre-Mission Impossible. Pre-Mission Impossible. Pre, I mean, kind of got him the role for Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible film, but then there's, this con- this con- there's all this controversy around Tarantino now. With how he writes female characters. Yeah. But it didn't, it's, it got nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Yeah. I just and it won for the screenplay. Um, Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery got the Oscar there. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned it got nominated for Best Picture. John Travolta, Sam, Sam Jackson, Uma Thurman, Tarantino for director, and then for editing as well. Okay. Um, so, I mean, uh, most of the main players got um, recognized here, which is good. Yeah, I mean, pushed Sam Jackson to into the limelight, which is really good. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 94, 94 was a very interesting year. Yeah. I mean, you had you had Forrest Gump, Shawshank, um, Quiz Show, Ed Wood. I mean, there were a lot of interesting films that came out that year. Yeah, there were. Let me look up best best picture for that year. Yeah. It had been Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption, um, Quiz Show, and Four Weddings and a Funeral. I mean, that's a pretty... Yeah, Pul- Forrest Gump winnings kind of... That's a that's another one. Yeah, that we'll talk you later. Could, you could look back. You could look back at that and kind I mean, of. I mean, Zemeckis is amazing, but I like Forrest Gump. It's not better than Shawshank, and it's not better than Pulp Fiction. I would no, say. it's <laughs> not better than those movies. At I all. even like Quiz Show. Quiz Show's really good. It's I a like really Quiz Show. It's a really good movie. It's one yeah. of yeah. It's I mean, one of I, it's a good job by Red Redford directing. I, I know like, Redford directing. Yeah, Ray Fiennes. That's one of Ray Fiennes' best performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then moving on here, ninety three. The French Connection, this needs to be higher. This is an infamous film, though. Like, it's so good. Yes. It's one of the best... Um, it's one of the best... best. Pi- I think it won Best Picture. I believe so. Yeah, so it's it's kind of one of those movies you look at and go, man, this is an incredible, incredibly made film. Yep. I was also 71. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, 70s was just an incredible time. Won five Oscars. Um, won Best Picture... Hackman won for leading role, um, best director William Friedkin won best screenplay and best film editing. And Roy Scheider, and Roy was, Scheider was also nominated. Yeah, it's it's a really good film. It's kind of it's based on a true story. It's, I mean, it's a really well made film. It's just, I feel like it got kind of lost in the shuffle of some of these. Like they're like pushing a bunch of films up, and then they're pushing a bunch of films down. And I think this kind of got lost. Which really sucks, because I think that this, I mean, first of all, has one of the best car chase sequences of all time. And that was just on the fly. They yeah. just kind of, they, they didn't have a permit, so they just drove around <laughs> yeah. with a camera in the car and Hackman driving. It's, I mean, Hackman, 
Um, Hackman obviously was great, won the won the Oscar. But Roy Scheider, man, this was this was a really pivotal point in his career I mean, when he was really going. He got he had this Marathon Man, Jaws a few years later. I mean, this kind of put him into the limelight. Oh yeah, it kind of um, this kind of also put Gene Hackman kind of on the map. Yeah, because I don't think he would have gotten the roles that he got after that. Scheider, I mean, was really good. Hackman, incredible. Um, it kind of defines seventy cinema for me, at least. It's it's definitely one of those that um, kind of does ca- encapsulate the seventies. Um, kind of kind of those more raw raw films. I, I'd say this film is definitely feels kind of kind of like Dirty Harry. Yeah, you know, where it's like it feels gritty. It's not mm-hmm. it's not clean all the way. Yeah. I think yeah, I, I think Dog Day Afternoon is another one that I think of. Yeah, that kind of fits into that mold. Yeah. It's just it's definitely just a totally seven seventies film. It's awesome. It, it could be definitely higher, I yeah, think. Yeah, I, I think it definitely deserves to be higher just because those two performances, you know, I, I love me as a Popeye Doyle. I guess that's really and, just what it comes I down mean, to. I mean, he's really good and you know, Hackman had a lot of trouble with playing him because he's such a racist. Yeah. And he hated playing him and like the real Popeye Doyle was on set some yeah. days and all these things. Like it's it's an amazing if you like there's a bunch of stuff on the production if you go Google this film, but yeah, and I mean William Friedkin as well. Um, mm-hmm. One of the probably one of the most underrated directors. Yeah, definitely. Of all time, I'd say. Yeah, and then yeah, it's just it's a good film. And then number ninety two is Goodfellas. Yes, which should definitely be higher. Absolutely, this film is. I don't know if I can fully say this is be- This is Scorsese's best. I don't think it is. I think mm-hmm. it's. I think it's probably. It's in the conversation. It's probably top three. Yeah, it's it's like this. It's like this, and then The Godfather are the two mob movies you need mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah, because this is, I mean, Goodfellas, De Niro, Pesci, Ray and, Liotta, and, and Ray Liotta, and I was like, I lost the guy's name for a second. <laughs> um, it might be Scorsese's best made film from like. Production, post-production, and like how smooth everything was. I mean, everybody loves to point at that tracking shot into the yeah, Copacabana. I mean, <laughs> it, it's just like the the amount of skill that he directed this film. It's probably the, the best film he's directed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a sh- shame that The Departed's a movie he won Best Picture. Best that was picture a makeup director. Oscar. I mean, The Departed's a good movie. Yeah, I, I love The Departed, but yeah, it's not. It's like Taxi Driver. He didn't win it for yeah, Raging Bull. Raging Bull, which is an insane film. Yeah, that, that's a that's top five on this list, and I think I I can't really argue with that. No, Raging <laughs> Bull is amazing, but um, Goodfellas, he's like it's kind of this film where you can tell that he really put his passion behind this mm-hmm. film. It should be like in the teens. Yeah, yeah, it, it's. I don't know exactly what the rationale was for putting it this low. I just think it was kind of, there's so many mob movies on this list, maybe? Yeah, I guess. But, like, The Godfather is... I mean, yeah. Godfather Part 2 is um, is pretty low on this list, or at least lower than you might expect. I, it's 32 <sighs> for The Godfather Part 2. God, I, I, Godfather I, 1 is number 2 on this list. And Godfather 1, I think, deserves to be in the top 5, because it kind yeah. of it revolutionized everything. Godfather 2 is the better film. Yeah. But I mean, the crazy thing about even the Godfather films um, is they're both th- around three hours, 
And yeah. I'd say The Godfather is one of the most rewatchable films of all time. <laughs> yeah, you can literally pick it up from a lot of spots. Yeah, um, yeah it's kind of one of those movies where the God- Goodfellas is a movie you can pick up from a lot of spots mm-hmm. as well. Because there's like sections to it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, De Niro is incredible in this. This is probably one of his, one of his best performances he's ever done. Uh, I don't know if it's his best. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say it's his best. I, I prefer him as uh, Travis Bickle or um, or his Oscar-winning role for Raging Bull as and, well. And, and, or even just, heck, as Don Vito. Yeah, Don Vito. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, he's... It's in. It's kind of the last movie. It's kind of the last movies where he's just intimidating. Mm-hmm. Where like he he gives you a look and you're like, oh, I'm dead. Yeah. Um, he, ca- he kind of to a lesser degree he did that in Heat. Yeah, but that's kind of like it's a very different film. Yeah, that's just like a more modern like you respect me mm-hmm. type thing. Um, Pesci's incredible. I think when the oh you he think went, I'm funny? Yeah, you think I'm funny? Think like a clown? Yeah, that entire scene's insane. I think that's what won him the Oscar, basically. Probably. Yeah, Ray Liotta's incredible. Um, yeah, it's all around an amazing film. There's also whether this is a good or bad thing. There's no Wolf of Wall Street without Goodfellas. That's true. I like Wolf of Wall Street. I do too. It's probably Scorsese's most best modern film. I think. Wolf of Wall Street gets overhyped, but I do appreciate what it is. Yeah, it's just you can tell that Scorsese was kind of in his bag. Yeah, I yeah no I agree. The uh, number ninety one, um, Sophie's Choice, uh, which was a pivotal role for um, one of the greatest actresses of all time, Meryl Streep. The goat, you mean? They well, yeah, honestly, probably she's, her her or Catherine Hepburn. No, she's I think Meryl Streep could be a very small part in a film and get nominated for an Oscar. Well, I mean, I don't know if necessarily being an Into the Woods... Well, it's, 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 it's not like... But she's still amazing in that movie. At, well, sure. But, also, but, I mean, it's also... She is insane. She's insanely talented. She is one of the hardest working actresses ever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this movie deserves to be this high. Deserves to be this high. No. It it I don't think I don't think that it should be this high. I think it was just like this is what this really got Meryl so, so put in the mainstream in a different way. She is incredible in this movie. She deserved the Oscar win. I don't think there's really any doubt any doubt there. Um, directed by my man Alan J. Pecula, um, director of uh, All the President's Men and oh, yeah. some other um, underrated films. Yeah, but. This is Meryl Streep's film, mm-hmm. and it's kind of this interesting time period where she's starting to come. She's starting to come out as this. I mean, she's incredible in this movie. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but she's a, she's a powerhouse. I mean, she's she really is as she's kind of caught in this love triangle mm-hmm. uh, here. She's really the most interesting part. I think Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein's I did this is right. his first big movie, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, th- th- this had to have been one of his um, first early big roles um, that probably because um, a fish called Wanda was a few years later, and um, yeah, I think but, I think this is his birth. I think this is like his big break because he was a theater actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sophie's Choice was his was his first um, 
feature film, I believe. Yeah. Well, okay. And then he was in the Pirates of Panzance, mm-hmm. of course. And but a big chill. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot the movie. Yeah, that's another movie that could be on that could be on the list, but yeah. Um, ninety one for this is high. Mm-hmm. It won only one Oscar. Hasn't really impacted the same way. The biggest impact it has is given us Meryl Streep, which you could say is worth a lot. Yes. But also, if you think about this, and I don't know how easy this is to do, but if you were to take Meryl Streep's role and kind of separate it from the film itself, is the film itself... No, it's not written? good. I don't it's, it's, not a, it's not good surrounding it. It's no. like, this is like LeBron <laughs> in the finals, honestly. like 2018 she, finals, yeah. She is putting the team on her back right now. I mean, Paclo is an amazing... was a good director. Yeah. He was a very good director. And this film is... I mean, you look around and you're like... It's a bunch of guys who are starting off, mm-hmm. and Meryl Streep was a nobody at this yeah. point. And then this just just puts her over the edge and uh-huh. makes her a superstar. And you mentioned she was supposed to be the mom in E.T., but got this role instead. Yeah, I believe that's... I remember reading that, uh-huh. like, that she was up for the role, and she got this instead. And, yeah, and I think when the casting people said that she wasn't pretty enough to be the mother... Which is and she's a and she is radiant in this movie yes. when she's in when she's in the uh, present time. Absolutely, and her performance still holds up. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of this standard for women that can you play Sophie? Mm-hmm. Can you do this? Can you do the scene? Which is one of the most heart wrenching scenes I've ever seen. Oh yeah, acted. And even if you see the clip, I mean you're you're just kind of terrified of what she had to do um but 91 seems really high it may not i don't think it maybe should be on the list i agree with that i think that kind of what you mentioned she had a pretty significant role a few years earlier in kramer versus kramer yeah 77 i believe um but yeah no sophie's choice was really kind of where like oh wow meryl streep is is like the the premier actress um, so, yeah, that is, um, that is, that is the bottom ten there. Yeah. Um. There's the, I mean, my biggest question is, which one's the most overrated on this time, this kind of bottom ten? I think it's Sophie's Choice. Probably Sophie's Choice. I'd say Sophie's Choice or Last Picture Show. I think both of those just shouldn't be on the list. Probably not. And Yankee Doodle Dandy... You could tell the story of film without talking about that film. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, maybe if there were a kind of re-editing of this list, I think maybe you could find another Cagney performance because I think James Cagney played a pretty pivotal role during that yeah, era. he did. But I don't know if this necessarily... Because James Cagney wasn't known for musicals, right? He was the gangster guy yeah. in the 40s. And I think maybe if you, if you pick something like a White Heat or... Um, Angels with Dirty Faces, or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Uh, maybe that might be a better representation. And that, all, and I think kind of what you're saying, that could probably better tell the story of film in the 40s. Yeah, it's kind of... Well, noir is such a huge part of, mm-hmm. of the 40s in Hollywood. So I kind of see this list, and I'm kind of... You know, there are some films on this list which are definitely old Hollywood. Yeah. Which some of them, I think, are going to stay and stand the test of time because there's some films on here where you can look at and go... That deserves to be on the list. And there's some films you look at here and go, like, it was kind of like rushed to judgment. Mm-hmm. Like, The Sixth Sense is on this list. 
I, do you not like The Sixth Sense? I don't think it deserves to be in the top 100 films of all time. Yeah, I, I think that that was probably a, a byproduct of that shock value of that twist. Yeah, and then and then I think, was it 07 that he released The Last Airbender? So, uh, I believe that was 2010. 2010. Yeah. It's one of those years where it's like, and then, well, you know, Shyamalan is starting to make a comeback. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Sort of. Glass is bad. <laughs> I but like Split. Split's amazing. Yeah. I mean, some, you, you hit some. <laughs> you can't win, can't win them all. Yeah, can't win them all. Um, but, yeah, there's just some films on here like Do the Right Thing, um, Pulp Fiction, and Goodfellas are just so low. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, The Sixth Sense is above these films. These are classic films by modern, yeah. by modern standards. And Sophie's Choice, which is... I think it's a classic in its own right, but it's not a top 100 film all time kind of classic. Like, I think there are a lot of these films in the bottom 10 here. I think you could make your argument they're top 50. Yeah, I mean, definitely Goodfellas. French Connection, um, Do the Right Thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think Pulp Fiction probably could could move higher, too. Yeah, it could be like in the 80s. Yeah. But you need to put another Tarantino up in the top... 50, probably. Probably, I would but say. But Blade Runner needs to be, I think, needs to be a little higher. Yeah, I, I think Blade Runner Blade Runner could be moved higher as well just for the pure influential factor. And I think there should be another Ridley Scott on this list. I, well, yeah. I mean, I mean that we can we can get into that right now. I what mean, do you, um, what are some, what are some films automatically that kind of jump out to you that could be put on the list? Uh, Moonlight. I definitely think that, was 2017 Oscar, uh, Best Picture uh, winner? 2016. Okay, 2016 Best Picture winner. It is an incredibly made film. Mm-hmm. Barry Jenkins is one of the... I mean, if Bill Street could talk, could be on this list, if you're being perfectly honest. Yeah. But uh, Barry Jenkins, I the, think, one, the one that yeah. won the Oscar mm-hmm. should probably be on the list. Yeah, for sure. Because if Bill Street could talk was probably my favorite movie of the past year. Uh-huh. But um, I just think Moonlight, kind of just talking about gay culture in a black neighborhood and the way that he tells it and it's so unique Mm -hmm. and it's so well made it's it might it is one of my favorite best picture winners yeah um but i think get another black director on this list it's huge it's huge um even if i would even say gordon parks's shaft which is important to film even just put even put that at a hundred. I think heck, you know what? Boys in the Hood. Boys in the John Hood. John Singleton. Of course. That should be on this list. R.I.P. John Singleton. That's, R.I.P. Yeah. That's I mean that's a loss for the film world. Yeah, but, I mean, but that that film I think is was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're talking about just black filmmakers, because I know you kind of mentioned Shaft. Um, may, maybe not maybe not the best film ever made, but it's still the best important. Film. It's important too. Boys in the Hood is incredible. Boys in the Hood. I mean, you could definitely put that in there. Yeah. Like, I mean, you have you have a nice little list. Mm-hmm. I kind of have like two or three. I so I just made a list of contenders, and we can, we can talk about some of these. Like, first of all, here I just had Touch of Evil, which I think might be Orson Welles' best film. I I think so too. Yeah. I, that's some, that is that aunt. is some of the best cinematography I've ever seen. Yeah, it's uh, my aunt loves this film. She's oh my she, gosh. She introduced me to Orson Welles. I mean, so. if we're talking about Orson Welles, Charlton Heston, I mean that that film is incredible. And I honestly, I think it's kind of a shame that it's not on this list, um, yeah. especially the time period it came out in the fifties. Yeah, um, Dog Day Afternoon. I see that. Dog one. Day Afternoon is another one where I, I personally, John Cazale is one of in his short run. 
Yeah. He's one of the best supporting actors of all time. Yeah. In that run, he had Godfather, Godfather 2, Dog Day Afternoon, The Conversation, did Deer he, Hunter. Did he get nominated for Best Supporting for Godfather 2? Because he was oh, insane let me, let in that movie. I know a bunch of people got nominated for that. I mean, um, Godfather Part 2 is yeah. one, of, one of the most important films. And Fredo, you, you broke my heart. Yeah. That was a terrible well, Pacino. I mean, that, that scene where they're in the boathouse and he's like, I, I got overstepped. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see. He did not get nominated Ugh. for part two. I mean, Dog Day um, Afternoon is super important, for, especially for gay representation as well. Yeah. I mean, you can put the Wachowskis on here for The Matrix, of course, which is another. He was never he was never nominated for an Oscar. Really? Which is is a crime. He was nominated for a Golden Globe for Dog Day Afternoon. Wow. But this man, this man was incredible. Um, actually, married to Meryl Streep. Really, I didn't know. In that. fact, he was. Yes. Um, before he before he tragically passed away, um, but he man, if you want to talk about making an impact, I mean, he died at age forty two. Dang, he could he could have been uh, he could have been one of the all time greats. Yeah, he was he was incredible in uh, yeah, it just he's insane in the Godfather films and Dog Day Afternoon. He's so important oh my to gosh, everything. And, huge, and I don't know if I won like you have Jurassic Park and Close Counters. There's so many Spielbergs on this list. There are. But also, I think that, well, first of all, one of the greatest feats I have ever, um, obviously I wasn't alive to witness it, but one of, the, one of the greatest feats I can think of in a calendar year is the fact that Spielberg directed Schindler's List and Jurassic Park in the same calendar and he, year. And he hates Universal to this day because of it. Because <laughs> the only reason them let him do Schindler's List is if he could do Jurassic Park in the mm-hmm. same year. And that's just unbelievable. The th- um, the reason so the reason I put Jurassic Park and Close Encounters is those two kind of in the same not obviously very different films, but kind of in the same vein as as Jaws for him. It really pushed the the idea of, of what you could do with practical effects. Yeah. Um, Jurassic Park is also kind of early CGI as well. Yeah. I mean, I I would put I think Jurassic Park should be on the list somewhere, but I just think like. There's so many Spielbergs on this list. Absolutely, and I mean, I, you I mean, can, it's, it, it's a credit to Spielberg. Yeah, I mean, like nothing against Spielberg. Like he he has made films that are so important to our zeitgeist, like mm-hmm. you know, like you know, Jaws, Indiana Jones, and all those films, and mm-hmm. then E. T. He is an important member of the film community, and Absolutely. he's probably. I mean, ever doesn't someone everybody likes a Spielberg film. Yeah, I don't think I met someone who's like, "Oh, I hate Spielberg." Yeah, I mean, he he makes something he makes something for everybody. Yeah. Um, let's see what else you got. I here? mean, and so some of these films are just I'm just throwing out there, not necessarily. You saw Ghostbusters for the question mark. <laughs> yeah. See, because I don't actually I don't love Ghostbusters, but like I was just thinking those like '80s comedies. It's the best of those movies because also it pushed special effects in a way that we haven't seen before, mm-hmm. and that they're talking about doing a sequel. In 2020, that yeah. they're doing a sequel in 2020, and how big it is to pop culture. Like Ghostbusters is still a huge pop pop culture uh-huh. uh, icon. Even it's one of those films where even if you have never seen the film, you know Ghostbusters. You know the theme song. You know you, who you're gonna call. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Ghostbusters is. I mean, it's my dad's favorite movie. Uh huh. So I remember watching it. Um, Braveheart, no. <laughs> no, yeah, no. I don't. I, I don't know about that one. Um, the Matrix. What. I think the Matrix. I think you can make a case for it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's one of the most influential action films of all time. Absolutely. Um, Terminator Two. Yeah. 
I think I think Terminator Two. I I think there needs to be there are three genres I think need more representation: horror, horror, action, and um, and uh, comedy. Yeah, I think there's a lot of old school like '30s and silent era comedy on this list, like mm-hmm. Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin, and then the Marx Brothers are on this list. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's not a lot of modern. Well, a lot of like Anchorman. Maybe it should be on the list. Maybe. It is the most quotable movie of all time. I mean, definitely up there. Yeah, like you like you say, I'm in a glass case of emotion. Someone will laugh. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like, milk was a bad choice. I, I've said that multiple times when I'm like, I've done like a stupid decision. Yeah. So like, Anchorman maybe should be on this list, but like, there is maybe one horror film, and The Exorcist isn't on this list. Yeah. Which maybe is the best horror film ever made. Yeah, I, yeah, so even... I'm not a huge fan of The Exorcist because I don't know if it necessarily ages the best. It doesn't age the best, but it's like... But it is so important. It also still scares people. And yeah. The movie is over 40 years old. It is It, it is a super important... And going back to William Friedkin. Yeah. It, it's a movie that he... He was so influential in getting that made. Absolutely. And it's such a good movie. Great performance from Max von Sydow. Yeah, Max... Yeah, Max von Sydow, amazing. Um, I mean, and some other films I just have on here, like The Conversation, one of my favorite Hackman performances. Mm-hmm. Um, Coppola, um, that, that was in that run of the 70s where he was putting out Godfather films as well. Yeah, and another movie that's not on your list, which is a surprise, The Sting. The Sting, yeah, that's an, I, I can't believe I forgot about that Paul, one, yeah. Paul Newman, Robert Redford, uh-huh. maybe their best film together, one best picture. I'm glad they have Butch Cassidy on this list. Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid needs to be on this list. I, I, I agree with that, and I think The Sting, because, um, I mean, man, Newman and Redford had some of the best on-screen chemistry of all time. Yeah, it's such a shame that Redford died. Newman. Newman, sorry, Newman, not Redford. Uh, sorry. I'm like, did something happen? No! <laughs> I would I would, be crying. Robert uh, Redford's still alive. Robert Redford is my one of my favorite actors oh of all time. Oh, my gosh. I would, I would really cry so if, he, if he passed away. But Newman passed away. And Newman, one of the most important actors of mm-hmm. all time. And, oh, uh, you're born. Wow. Yeah, you're well, so, I, so I, I wrote a lot. So here's the thing. One of my biggest gripes is that... Um, Lord of the Rings, uh, Fellowship of the Ring is in the top 50. That is stupid. It's above West Side Story, and I hate everything. So, <laughs> it... so Lord, it, Lord, The it, Lord of the Rings movies are so good, though. If we're going to put... Here's the thing. If we're going to put one representative, yeah, it's Return, Return of the King. King. Return of the King. Return of the King needs two, to be the representative. Two Towers is, like... My favorite. That's my personal favorite. Return of the King is a really, really good movie. It won all the Oscars, because yeah. they're like, the first one's okay, second one, like, there's kind of these things where it's like, the Academy didn't want to award the first movie. Yeah. Because what if the second one sucked? Yeah. What if the third one was really bad? So... I think they were like, okay, it did really well. It's really good. Shove all the Oscars mm-hmm. at Return I of the King. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that and The Godfather, the only trilogies to have every movie nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. I believe that. I yeah. believe that is the case. And if that's and if, if that's the case, then I mean, Return of the King should be the representative for Lord of the Rings. Um, we mentioned Alien. I Honestly, Die Hard. Die Hard is probably the quintessential action movie. Because there are so many ripoffs of Die Hard. Yeah, I mean, Die Hard really influenced Terminator 2, if you're really being honest. Yeah. But Terminator 2 is James Cameron's James Cameron's maybe best film. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's, it's definitely up there. I mean, Titanic's good, but it's like, it's a three-hour love story on a boat. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what about Avatar? No, 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 no. I remember seeing. It's a good movie to see in theater. 
Really good movie scene. Yeah, I mean, great spectacle. But, like, I mean, yeah, no, T2, um, I have Goodwill Hunting. That's one of my favorites. I, I think that you could definitely make, you make an, an argument. argument that there's, there's, I mean, to put Matt Damon and Ben Affleck into Robin the world. Williams. Uh, but, I mean, great performance. Oscar winning. R.I.P. Robin Williams. It's not your fault. Yeah, that's like, that scene will get, will get you. I mean, do you like apples? <laughs> it's such a good movie. Good one, them apples. Yeah, I mean... Every later, day I show up here hoping you're not there when I ring the doorbell. Yeah, it's it's one of the... It's a really good script. Amazing performances. Enjoy... Like, I, you can watch it anytime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's insane. That movie should probably be on the list. Yeah. Um, we mentioned Alien earlier. Broadcast News. I don't know I don't know if you have any connection to this film I have, at all. I have not seen Broadcast News. So, it is um, a James L. Brooks film. It has Holly Hunter, um, William Hurt, Albert Brooks... Um, it, it is one of, one of the better scripts, um, probably I've seen, at least of the 80s. Okay. Um, it came out in 87. Um, I believe, I'll have to check on the, um, Oscars for it. Um, I mean, it's probably one of it got nominated for some. I mean, uh, I've probably I seen the post. One. Um, it's basically about, the synopsis is, take two rival television reporters, one handsome, one talented, both male, add one producer, female, mix well, and watch the sparks fly. Okay. So Holly Hunter is the television producer, and William Hurt is this, is this new reporter, and Albert Brooks is, is um, a reporter that's been there for a while, and there's kind of a love triangle going on. Okay. I mean, it sounds interesting. Yeah, nominated for seven Oscars, Dang. did not win. Um, best, it got nominated for Best Picture, Hurt, Hunter, and Brooks all got nominated. Um, James L. Brooks for um, screenplay. Basically, James L. Brooks was kind of the moment, because this is kind of when he, he developed The Simpsons around this time. Um, he, had, he had this... Um, and he had um, also uh, Terms of Endearment okay. was kind of a little before this. Um, and so that was kind of the, the film that he got mo- more of his recognition for. All right. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think it's a really great really great film. and has yeah. an incredible ending um, at the airport. Yeah. Um, and then I put some kind of more modern films on here. So I put Zodiac. Um, I don't know. I, I know you're not as high on this film as I am. Uh, but I'm a huge history nerd, so mm-hmm. I love Zodiac. For the reason that it's so historically accurate, it's yeah, it's, it, it, it's terrifying in some spots, and yeah. it's like Fincher is one of those directors that is meticulous with his details, mm-hmm. and I get like he do he'll do fifty takes of some guy dropping a notebook, yeah, because it has to flop the direct the direction he wants it to, and if it's not dropping the way he wants it to, he'll make you do it over and mm-hmm. over again. I guess he spent an entire day on a shoot like some guy dropping, like. Uh, taking his shoes off and flinging them across the, across like a, the floor. It's kind of those things where he is meticulous on the details, and this film is important in special effects because they're on location and those locations aren't there and you cannot tell. Yeah, like I was, like someone did a special effects breakdown on YouTube and I was blown away. Oh yeah. Um, but if we're talking Fincher, Fight Club needs to be on the list. Fight Club, um, definitely. I I think definitely has a case. Fight Club or Seven? Seven. Um, Zodiac, I think, is just, personally, it's probably my fi- my favorite David Fincher film. Okay. Just because I think that even at a three-hour runtime, you could see that like, kind of dragging a bit. For me, I think it's entertaining no, the, the, the whole way The pacing is perfect. The pacing's incredible. There's not there's dull moments, but at the same time, those dull moments have tension. Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the best things, which is what Fincher arguably I mean, that, that is best show, at. That, that shows a director and in his bag at mm-hmm. the top of his craft like okay it's gonna be a slow three hour movie but I'll make it make it in 
entertaining and tension filled. Yeah. Um, then you have Boogie Nights, PT. You want some Paul Thomas Anderson? Yeah, I think I put Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood. Um, both incredible films. That um, I wasn't as high on Boogie Nights. I need to rewatch it. I, I watched the first time I saw it. I really liked it. The second time I watched it, I was kind of meh. I think There Will Be Blood is one of the best directed films I've ever seen. Uh huh. It, it's a tough sell because it's a slow burn. Yeah, and Daniel Day Lewis is incredible. Yes, I it, like. It's you one can... of the, I don't think does Daniel Day Lewis have a movie on the list? Um, I don't think so. That's insane. Yeah, he. I mean, you can make an argument. Daniel D. Lewis is the best the actor. actor he, of he's all the time. best actor of all time. Like he is, he every movie he's in, he will get nominated for an for an Oscar, and it's no yeah. doubt about it. I like. I think then, Daniel Day Lewis needs some sort of representation. And then there's no Coen Brothers, which you put No Country for Old Men. No which, Country for Old Men. I put Fargo and No Country because Fargo was on the original list, and it got knocked off in the 07 reboot or reupdate or whatever. I don't like Fargo. You don't like Fargo. I don't like Fargo. I'm one of the few people I saw it. I saw it my freshman year of college, and everybody said, you need to watch it. I watched it, and I was like, I laughed maybe twice, mm. and I didn't like it. And then I'm just like, but I like, I love, um, I mean, No Country for Old Men is amazing. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fargo probably should make the list because it's, I think it's probably their best film. But No Country for Old Men is so, is so uniquely tight. I think that No Country for Old Men, um, I don't think it would wouldn't have a shot on here, but Big Lebowski I would also put as some of their some of their better work. Yeah, but um, No Control Men won all the Oscars. Yeah, and and, and like Anton Chigurh, um, Javier Bardem's <laughs> performance. That's probably you can make an argument. That's a top fifteen villain of all time. He is absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things where you you can say Anton Chigurh, and I have an image in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, there's very few villains I can look at and go like, oh yeah. Um, Hannibal Lecter, the alien, Jason, um, Freddy, Darth all, Vader. Darth Vader. But like he is the like just it's so terrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always think of that uh, that scene near the beginning, of the gas station, where he asks him to flip a coin, and just the tension that fills in that. It's literally just two dudes staring at each other in a gas station. But the and tension he, in and that one scene. Guy's tra- and one guy's trying to get the other guy to leave. That's yeah. all he's trying to do. Uh huh. And there's. It's, and in every scene, like, there's, he doesn't have that much dialogue. He really yeah. doesn't. It's mainly just eye movement and subtle gestures. And I think No Country for Old Men should be on the list. Mm-hmm. I think it's Coen Brothers' best directed film. Um, best, I mean, Roger Deakins. Oh, my gosh. It's, it might be his best film he's ever shot. Yeah. But and- Blade, Blade Runner was just a showcase for him. This one was like. I'm not gonna. It's all natural. Oh my gosh! It's so. It's such a visceral watching experience. Also, shout out to Tommy Lee Jones and Josh Brolin in that movie. They are great. Tommy Lee Jones is incredible. In that oh my movie. gosh, he he is. He deserves more love in general. I think. Yeah. Tommy, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. He's a he's a curmudgeon, but he is an incredible actor. He's a he's a fun curmudgeon. I think. <laughs> um, Josh Brolin kind of was a breakout for him. Kind of. Uh, yeah, I'd I mean, say so. I mean, kind of put him more. That he could really act in the mainstream. Yeah. And it kind of, I mean, he's Thanos now, which yeah. kind of pushes how big this film is. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I think that No Country for Old Man was kind of the launching point for his, like, I guess, adult acting career. Yeah. Because I know everybody jokes about like, how he's in, he's in the Goonies, obviously, kind of yeah. a long time ago. But this, I think this is where we kind of 
took Josh Brolin seriously. Yeah, but he got more of that serious tone. Uh-huh. I mean, everything's well acted, well shot. It's, uh-huh. I mean, it could be. It, you could make arguments a top fifty film of all time. Yeah, it's it's incredible, top to yeah, bottom. Yeah, and then there's no Ron Howard on the list either. Yeah, that's why I put Apollo thirteen. Apollo thirteen, which is one of my one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. It's, I mean, I obviously I'm a sucker for anything Hanks, a sucker for anything Bill Paxton. <laughs> yeah, Ed Harris is great in that movie too. I mean, it's such a good film that it, like you know what happens, but you're still on the edge of your seat oh, at yeah. the end. It's kind of like how First Man was this year, where like mm-hmm. you know what happens, you know yeah. that they get to the moon, you know. But how it's this, the journey, not the it's destination. It's the journey and like all the stuff that had to happen for them to get there. It's also just a lot of people kind of at the top of their game. Yeah, I mean, Bill Paxton was, he was a character actor. This kind of pushed him a little bit more towards a leading man role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed Harris was another character actor. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks is a just, ju- he is just, he's in his prime. Yeah, you can tell that he's just the leading man. Like, he's yeah. hot. Like, he he came out, this, what was this, 2000? Apollo the third, I think ninety five. Ninety five, dang. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Gary Sinise also great. Gary Sinise. Um. So, man, this is right when he was doing Force Gump. He was. He Philadelphia was Philadelphia. a couple years before. Philadelphia. Maybe. I believe Toy Story and Apollo thirteen were the same year, if I'm not mistaken. Dang. Okay. It's a good I, year for Hanks. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I, the reason I think it's like two thousand because all the special effects in it are mind blowing. Yeah, th- ninety five was Apollo thirteen. Wow. Yeah, great. Uh, really, really well done. Yeah, I think, I think if if we're gonna give Ron Howard a representation, I would probably nominate Apollo thirteen. Yeah, I think all this Beautiful Mind's good, but it's not like I think Apollo thirteen's a better film. Yeah, Cinderella Man's a really good film. But yeah, I think that this is, but Apollo thirteen's like, you know, Houston may have a problem because yeah. of this movie. Oh yeah. And um. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of pushed the space race back into yeah. people's consciousness. Absolutely. And then a couple, just a couple other ones I wanted to mention. Um, two that were um, in the early, mid to, mid-aughts, um, Children of Men and Memento. I don't know how you feel about these two films. Okay. Uh, Memento is not the best Nolan film. I wouldn't, yeah, I don't know, yeah. I would say Dark Knight's the best Nolan film. And I disagree with that. It's Inception or, or Dark Knight. But I think we need to have comic book rep- representation on the list now. Because it's such an important part of the... Yeah. Because, like, are you really going to put a Marvel film on the list? Maybe Winter Soldier. Maybe Winter Soldier. Um, yeah. But the Dark, Knight, the Dark Knight kind of pushed the envelope of we can make comic book movies serious. Yeah. Or, well... Maybe not even make them serious. Make take them seriously. Take them seriously and provide a good narrative. Like it's not yeah. this. Like you see this character. You see this character. You see that this person is evil. It's like no, this person is demented. We get to see all of these mm-hmm. things. Inception maybe should maybe is ahead of it. I just I'm personally just I love the Dark Knight. Yeah, I my thing with the Dark Knight is that um, personally, I think Batman Begins is probably my favorite of the trilogy. Okay. Um, I think The Dark Knight is an incredible film. Um, I, I think it loses steam in the third act. I think it does too, but Inse- if we're talking Nolan, I think Inception is probably Inception his. is probably his first. I think Memento is just, I mean, we were talking about Tarantino a little earlier about the whole nonlinear thing. I think that Guy Pierce performance is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really like the story of Memento. Um, and like even even on rewatch, um, even though you know kind of the twist is coming, it's yeah. still it's still a captivating. I mean, it's story. kind of um, 
it's kind of like watching some of those like Black Mirror, some of those mm-hmm. shows. You watch them again, you pick up stuff. Yeah. It's kind of one of those where you go back and you're like, oh, this means that. This yeah. means this. But also, I think Nolan kind of brings this nice aesthetic now where it's naturalistic. Mm-hmm. And very naturalistic aesthetic to yeah. films where it's like, I don't know if uh, Deacons would be getting his, like, Deacons work. Yeah. It's kind of getting more love now because he shoots such a naturalistic style, which is what Nolan shoots. Nolan yeah. shoots a very naturalistic style for his films. Though I think Dark Knight is insane. Like, it's it's amazing. And Heath Ledger performance. I mean, Heath is... Ledger. I'm, I mean, I, it's the first movie I saw, Midnight. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of that big. Dark Knight Rises was the one for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw Avatar at Midnight, too. Yeah. But um, I think. There's there's some other I mean I have my phone right here quickly um, what do you think of Children of Men? It's a really good film. I don't know if it deserves to be top one hundred greatest. Yeah, I mean I think that and maybe maybe it's too early um, for Coron. I just think Alfonso Coron is one of the best directors working today. Oh, definitely. And I think that Children of Men is just such a such a really cool kind of I guess post apocalyptic sci-fi story yeah um to me and i think clive owen is really great uh i don't know i i it, it was one of those french french movies for me it's probably it's probably my favorite core own film and who knows maybe he'll maybe a few years down the line um he'll he'll come out with another film maybe heck maybe a few years down the line we think roma um, yeah definitely i mean now granted but, I, I think that might be a, technically a mexican it might film, be a mexican film, so i don't know so. if that necessarily counts but, but coron is amazing um another movie i think could be on the list is Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. If we're talking action film, which a two has, hour car chase that you're locked in the whole time. Yeah, yeah. it's um it's just that movie's insane to me. Um, yeah, that, that film that film was really is really well done. Um even just the fact that it's such a little dialogue in that movie and you're locked in the whole time. Yeah, I mean it just points out how important like the medium of film is so important on the visual. Like it's so because you can have great dialogue. Yeah. Like, Tarantino is amazing. has amazing dialogue. So does Sorkin. Also, I don't know if Sorkin has a film, film on the list. Um, I probably don't think so. A Few so. Good Men's on this list, which I think it should be. but Yeah, A Few Good Men, um, I don't believe, is on the list. I can look at that real quick. Um, no, A Few Good Men's not on yeah, there. Yeah, A Few Good Men should maybe be on the list. And then there's just, I mean, is there any Edgar Wright movie? I mean, Baby no. Dri- I don't think Baby Driver deserves to be on the list. I don't think did Edgar Wright have a movie when this was because Shaun of the Dead was around that time. But I think I, I think it came out oh seven. Yeah, so I don't think he has. Yeah, anything. but I think that's a British film too. I think that's. Ah, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Okay. You're right. Um, yeah. Ooh, Arrival. I love that movie, but I also don't know. Uh, so listen, I love Denis. Yeah. And I think he is an incredible director, and he has made. He has made some incredible films. Yeah. I don't know if Arrival necessarily is... Because I, I think Arrival is a good sci-fi film. I don't yeah. know if it necessarily pushed anything. True. I um, guess that's my argument against it. What about The Big Short? I don't know. I don't, you don't know? I don't, okay. know, I don't know if that script was necessarily... Um, I, I think that it, Big Short is one of those films that I think could maybe be a time capsule yeah. type of film. But I don't know if I necessarily... If it really did anything that I hadn't um, necessarily like was blown away by, or yep. that 
Um, McKay really, because I, I think the script is really tight and I think it's really quippy and I really like the kind of the breaks in yeah. between where like he uses maybe Anthony well, Bourdain I mean, and all those other guys. I mean, they explain so much of this technical stuff that you're not used to. Yeah. And um, I really love, love um, this film. I really do. Um, but I think there's just a few good men. It's really good. Mm -hmm. we, we have a good list of side movies. Also, Back to the Future isn't on this list. Back to the Future is another one that I think should be on this list. Which is one of the best scripts ever written. Yeah. I mean, Groundhog Day, if you're talking comedies with really good tight scripts. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, we have a lot. I mean, we have nine more episodes to go. We can, yeah. we can go in detail over every single one of these. Absolutely. Um, so that that's our that's our first episode of Ins and Outs. We've covered the bottom ten of AFI Top 100. Next next week we'll be back with um, the next 10 films of the AFI Top 100. Um, Graham, if you have something to say. Um, I'm really excited for us to continue this. Um, this will be our first big segment. The, we're going to do 10 episodes on the Top 100. And then um, we're going to start getting into other stuff. Um, but also, coming soon will probably be a sports breakdown. We're mm -hmm. going to do something probably on after NBA free agency wraps up, mm -hmm. the first wave of it anyway, we'll talk about what's going to happen there, and then we'll probably have a guest for that. And then, I mean, we're going to be here, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, just hanging out, talking about movies, and just, uh, yeah, just having fun, playing fast and loose. Um, yeah, thank you again for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week.